leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Embattled farm executive Martin Schwakrelli, whether intentional or not, has ignited a long smoldering public policy discussion about the pricing of pharmaceuticals. As there are growing calls for steps to restrain drug prices, there are also industry concerns about the effects such actions would have on the ability to attract investment and pursue the development of high-risk innovative therapies. We spoke to Dennis Corin, CEO of Q Biomed, an acceleration and development company, for a perspective on the fallout from Shukreli, how to balance innovation with affordability, and whether he expects any lasting impacts on small drug developers. Dennis, thanks for joining us. Danny, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, being with you. We're going to talk about the pharma executive everyone loves to hate, Martin Shukreli. The impact his controversy has had on the industry is as well as pricing of drugs and balancing incentives for innovation with the need for affordability. As an introduction to our listeners, perhaps you can begin with what you do at QBiomed, a public accelerator and developer of drugs. Well, we're a fairly young, uh, fairly young company. Um, I, I've been in the biotech sector for you know, 12, 13 years in, in biotech and also come from you know, large pharma, um, even from medical device experience. Um, and over the years, I've seen you know some really innovative young technologies, um, very promising assets, either in public companies, um, you know, on the shelf somewhere, or in academia, waiting, you know, looking for a home, uh, or just young companies sort of struggle to make it beyond their initial idea, where they finance themselves through you know the friends and family money, maybe some small grants from government or research institutions. And then they get to that point where, you know, they need to make that next step and make that next advancement. And they're either stuck in this little no man's land where, you know, they're trying to court venture capitalists to uh, take a big position. And if those guys do, um, and in most cases they don't because they're too early stage, uh, you know, the venture capitalist wants to own 80 or 90% of the deal. Um, and then they'll take that on and off they go. Uh, and the next time anybody hears about it is when it's a big IPO with um, or they're going to go and do some kind of reverse merger or try to go public on their own um, and sort of delve into the quagmire that is that marketplace. Uh, so a lot of these times these companies run out of money and they don't have the right management, they don't have the right public market experience, and uh, these technologies just kind of die on the vine. And um, 
it's a real shame because there's so many innovative um, scientists and researchers and, and entrepreneurs out there trying to bring uh, exceptional products to market. But they don't quite have all the tools to get them that next step. Uh, and you know, we kind of, uh, we've seen this happen a lot. We've lived and breathed it ourselves. And um, we sat together one day and said, look, why don't we set up an accelerator where we can bring a lot of those assets, whether it's capital, human capital, scientific advisory people, clinicians, people who really understand the drug development process, bring that to some of these innovative technologies and help accelerate their development, whether it's through a proof of concept trial or into, you know, into revenue generation uh, or whatever that next value inflection point is and help bring those those languishing at languishing assets if you like uh to a, a great value inflection point so we set q biomed up as that accelerated type company we put together a tremendous team uh from a management team to scientific advisory people um and we're actively looking for innovative assets that we think uh, will provide tremendous benefit and and uh we look forward to bringing those, uh, those assets through their, their historic life cycle and, and allowing investors to participate in, uh, in the growth of those assets. When you make a decision about whether to invest in an experimental therapy, what's the calculus and, and how does pricing fit into your thinking, even though that may years away from a product coming to market? Yeah, well, you know, at this, at this stage, um, it, you know, often the price doesn't, uh, you know, isn't sort of top of mind. We're really looking for, you know, what, you know, what is the market um, that we're trying to address? What is the patient need? Um, you know, where are there gaps in the marketplace where we think we can bring an innovative technology? So we'll look at, we'll look at an asset. You know, for example, the first one we just did in the last in the last quarter is our, is our first asset it's in the glaucoma space. Uh, it has an area in ophthalmology where the last drug to successfully come to market in this particular uh, indication was 20 years ago. Uh, was Latanoprost by Pfizer, and um, and uh, you know the uh, uh, the market is in you know has a has a huge demand for new innovative technology. So um, you know we see here a gap in the marketplace where there's a massive demand for a product. 15 million people around the world going blind, and um, you know we need some some innovation and some new products in this space. So uh, you know we see an opportunity like that. We think there's a tremendous market for it, um, and we work really hard at finding these innovative technologies. And you know if you want to bring the whole sort of pricing spectrum you know, to bear in this, I think this is where um, you know innovative entrepreneurs and scientists and, and researchers and academia sort of come together. Uh, in bringing these, these these ideas and these new discoveries forward, I can't say always to fruition because you know many drugs fail along the way. But uh, the idea here is to develop them and try and get them through those proof of concepts. And people like me and, and small biotech companies are doing this on you know the shoestring budgets, and you know we're all out there pounding the streets and raising money wherever we can. Uh, to reach those next milestones and build value for our investors and our shareholders, but also ultimately to, to help hopefully bring a much-needed product uh, through its life cycle and some type, of, some type of commercial viability. Well, Martin Shukrelli, earlier this month, was called before Congress. He's come to embody a, a certain unrestrained greed that the public has come to associate with the pharmaceutical industry as a whole. How much damage do you think he's done? The court of public opinion right now, so um, you know it's a it's a very it's a quagmire to sort of step into. But 
um, you know, given this is, you know, my opinion, um, I'm happy to share it. But, you know, I think, I think he's done some damage in, it's really just all about the attitude that he brought with him, um, you know, when he did what he did and, and, um, the way he went about it. Uh, you know, we all know, you know, it's in the real world out there, it costs money to produce, you know, whatever the product is, whether it's drugs or anything else. And, um, you know, you want to go and sell that for, you know, some, you know, some sort of profit to be able to sustain your business and reinvest in, uh, the drug development pipeline or whatever your business happens to be. Uh, I think the way that, that, uh, Shkreli went about it is, is, you know, was, was really off the reservation and it's certainly not indicative of the way I would conduct myself or our business or, you know, and I, you know, I rub shoulders with many, many former executives and entrepreneurs that are out there. You know, every day, uh, trying to raise money and, and put together projects, um, you know, for the least amount of money possible, uh, to bring these projects forward. So I don't think it's indicative of, of the majority, if, if not any of the uh, former executives that I know, the biotech executives that I know. Um, and I think, you know, big pharma is relying a lot more on small biotech innovators like ourselves to come up with the pipelines of these new drugs. They're not innovating themselves as much anymore. They're not developing their own pipelines. They're, they're now more traditionally actually buying their pipelines. So they do rely on, on people like us and, and the biotech, sort of the junior biotech market to go out there and, and bring these drugs to a point where the pharma companies can buy them or, or take some interest in them. And unfortunately, Shirley did this, you know, at a time when, you know, obviously, uh, healthcare or pharmacare um, is uh, top of mind. People are seeing, um, you know, increased costs everywhere uh, in, terms of, in terms of getting access to drugs. And he also happened to hit it in an election cycle. So, you know, it's going to it's gonna hit the press and the way we're force-fed media these days and uh, social media. Uh, it really kind of blew up. And then, of course, you know, the campaigning candidates jump on it as well because it's the headline grabber. Um, so I think it's a very a difficult um, sort of line to walk when it comes to the cost of the actual production of a drug eventually getting through all the regulatory hurdles that it has to get through and providing that uh, that drug at a, at a reasonable price where, uh, you know, the company that makes it is going to be able to reinvest in, in, in additional pipelines or an additional product innovation. Uh, at the same time as from, you know, presenting a reasonable rate of return to their investors and shareholders, but ultimately to be able to provide a, a drug to, to patients that really need them at a price that's reasonable and that's affordable and that the healthcare insurers can, uh, you know, can adequately cover. Uh, so it is a bit of a tough one to, to kind of get into. Um, I think the way he went about it was, you know, completely contrary to the way I would manage myself and my business. Uh, and many of us, I, I know, feel the same. I think we all, the reason we do what we do, and certainly the reason I do what I do, uh, is to, you know, ultimately bring much-needed products to the patients that need them. So if we can provide somebody with, you know, some, uh, you know, a life-saving cure or, um, you know, a few years of pain-free uh, life at, at the end of life or um, you know, just eliminating pain from a very painful condition or whatever it might be to provide comfort to patients um, in need and, and all of us have been touched by a disease, whether it's cancer or something else, uh, you know, 
the reason I do what I do and the reason why a lot of the people around me and the people that I work with do what we do, and especially the scientists who are, who are, who are real, the real innovators behind all of this, the reason we all do what we do is to ultimately you know, find solutions to some of these most debilitating diseases and, and pain and suffering that people have to endure, not only the patients, the families and people that care for them uh, that are around them. And uh, you know, that's, that's certainly a driving factor for me. And um, I, you know, I lost dad to cancer a couple of years ago, uh, and you know, we've seen, seen so many people suffer. And you know, what I think sometimes is, is needlessly through horrible, painful diseases. When I know there are these innovative products out there that, that need to get through the, the development process. Um, so you know, I, I think we have to be good corporate citizens. We have to want to do this for the right reasons. Not just about the dollars, as many people would think really is all about, but it's about you know bringing the right product to the right people. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have to run a business and it has to be able to support itself, and be able to reinvest in your pipeline. But even even before the controversy over Mitchell Crowley, the the public had low opinions of the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, we're long past the days when Merck was the the most admired company in America. In fact, a, a Harris poll found eighty nine percent of both Republicans and Democrats blamed the drug industry for the high cost of health care. You know, I'd argue he put a face on the problem, albeit a rather smug one, that reinforced what the public already believed. Do you think he's actually changed anything? I think in some ways maybe he's, you know, he's, he's shown a spotlight on, on, you know, maybe on the issue or where, where people want to, you know, want to focus their attention. Um, you know, Danny, there's conspiracy theorists on the side of every argument on, on both sides of the spectrum. So, uh, we, you know, we all hear crazy rumors about the pharma industry and people wanting people to because, you know, that's where their money comes from. You know, I don't see it. I see, I see the scientists in the trenches. I see the, the entrepreneurs, uh, you know, trying to bring these products to market and, and getting through the FDA and, and, you know, working, you know, really hard to, uh, bring these products through their development life cycle and, you know, executive going, you know, this, I'm talking about the junior biotech sector more specifically than big pharma. You know, we're the guys out there, you know, not taking salaries and, and, you know, working for magic beans to try and make these things work. Um, and it's a little bit of a different side when people look at the big farmers and the most and the sizes. And, you know, those are massive organizations with huge costs and, you know, big management teams. And, uh, you know, they're reinvesting or investing in, you know, hundreds of drugs and massive trials, and you know, a lot of them don't work out. But they still have to be able to, you know, still take 15, 20, 30, 40 shots on goal to get one drug that's actually going to be um, something that can help people. And at the end of the day, so you know, their costs are, you know, are are huge or massive compared to some of the smaller biotechs. Um, but I I think that that's changing. I've you know I've seen you know big pharma like I mentioned. They're not really developing their own pipelines as much anymore. They're relying on, uh, you know, little companies like ours and others to, you know, develop the product, take it through some of the risk, uh, riskier stages, get it through some of those phases in the clinic, uh, so that they can acquire them. And I think that will have some, some impact on, on the price of drugs, um, as we go forward. And I, I think we'll see some younger and smaller biotech companies grow to be, uh, the drug companies of the future where they're actually producing the drug themselves and, and selling the drugs. And so my hope is that 
those executives, um, you know, again, do it for the right reasons. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying we're, you know, philanthropic organizations. We're, you know, we're all in business to make money and provide a return for our shareholders. Uh, but at the same time, gouging patients that are sick and dying for their last dollars, make them choose between their medicine and, you know, their rent or whatever it is, is, uh, something that needs, you know, to be addressed, I guess, but something that, that we're all aware of. And, and I think there are a lot of pharma companies that make drugs available to, uh, to people where they can't afford it. And I think maybe there could be a bit more of that. Um, but I, I certainly think that it comes from the leadership of the company and the executives and, and their desire to be good, you know, corporate citizens. Uh, there's certainly, I think, enough enough capital or enough money and profit out there to be able to make a good return for your shareholders and your investors, to be able to reinvest in your your innovation and your pipeline, um, and at the same time not have to do what you know what Shreddy did. I, I shouldn't just do more with what um, with what he did and how he went about it. So uh, whatever you, his business reason might have been. You mentioned earlier we're in an election year, and certainly I, I think we're seeing more and more talk about anything from price controls to allowing Medicare to, to negotiate drug prices to, to control costs. How, how do we balance innovation with affordability? That's a $64,000 question. Um, you know, I, I don't know what, you know what the answer to that is. I certainly don't think additional regulation is the answer. Um, I think we need to have, you know, stiffer, you know, competition in the marketplace, I think a little less regulation or have the regulatory uh, bodies, you know, help a little bit more instead of hindering in terms of getting drugs through the system um, a little quicker, uh, you know, maybe with, you know, fewer patient profiles that are, that are needed uh, to, uh, to drive some of the cost of the development down. Um, and as there are, as there's more competition in the marketplace and hopefully less regulatory burden, the actual cost of developing drugs would come down, and, and you know that would translate to, to a, a better priced product at the end of the day, or more reasonably priced product at the end of the day. Um, I think that's more you know where I would see things going, or, or hope that things would go. And uh, you know, a lot of these products are you know they're, they're brand new on the market. They're Recent years, there's, there's been talk of paying for value. Is that a solution? And if so, how do you determine value? You know, I, I, I don't know. Again, you know, if, uh, you know, if you if you've had a a, pay, a family member or loved one who's who's ill or dying or in incredible pain because of some affliction, you know, it's difficult to put yourself in that position and decide, you know, you know what you would pay or what the what the answer is and, and
member of the sort of drug development or the biotech community, you know, I sit with I sit with innovators, uh, sitting with a gentleman the other day who's, who's watched his mother die of very very painful metastatic um, breast cancer that has spread to the bone and, and the incredible pain that his mom went through as she as she passed on. And uh, he vowed to, you know, make a product that would help patients in the future be, you know, alleviate, you know, that, that very painful way to, to die. Um, and I'm very happy to be working with them and we're looking at creating a solution that would allow us to assist in accelerating the development of that product that may be a, a more cost-effective way to bring a drug to market to come from a small, small innovator rather than going through a big pharma company development life cycle that, that costs a lot more money. Um, you know, I just hope that there are more of those sort of opportunities and situations that, that, uh, that come out of what's been a booming biotech sector, and it's encouraged a lot of entrepreneurs and scientists to to help to bring those products off their academic shelf and off their workbench and try to get them into commercial viability. And I think ultimately that innovation uh, will hopefully drive the cost of some of these drugs down as they become, you know, more more competitive products and, and more availability, and, and uh, you know, the pharma companies aren't spending millions and millions and millions of dollars developing that can go and acquire a better price. Uh, so I long answer to a short question, but I don't know exactly what the, what the answer is. We're, we're at this remarkable moment in science where we can actually talk about not just therapies, but potential cures, whether it's through gene therapy or other regenerative medicine strategies. Are, are we going to need to think about different pricing markets, particularly as we enter this new era? Yeah, I'm, you'd have to clarify a little bit what you mean about pricing markets, whether you're, you know, talk about a cure or just a, you know, a palliative treatment or, or something, a treatment that's ongoing and ongoing. But, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago and, you know, the CAR T's are a good example in immunotherapy where, you know, they've been around for a little while now, companies like Tyson, Juno, and there was, it was all in the media again, uh, last week where patients that had five months to live, you know, got a CAR T, um, immunotherapy. And, um, you know, a number of them, their cancers were just gone, literally overnight. Uh, you know, sadly, there are some side effects that go with that and some of the patients don't make it, but given their condition at the time, you know, this is, these are some remarkable results and, and it's got uh, the world really excited that there are these potential cures out there for you know, some of those big diseases that uh, we've been working on for, for years and years and years. Um, it's very encouraging to see that those those are possible. So, you know, I think we're all working very hard and the scientists and the, and the clinicians and people that I deal with, you know, this is what they live for is to see, you know, their research and their their inventions and their discoveries, you know, make it to a point where they can really make a difference in people's lives and potentially provide a cure or, you know, alleviate pain for someone who's you know, in a very uncomfortable place in life. Q Biomed's a, a publicly held company. I'm wondering as as there's more public discussion about ways to rein in drug prices, how, how does that change your conversation with investors? Well, you know that's right. I just think you know you want to you want to position yourself as a good corporate citizen. You know, I think the way Marcus really went about it is just a really sort of sort of face and a pretty smug face on on the word greed. And you know that's not our that's not our objective. Um, you know, as, as we talk to investors and look for investors in our, in our, in our company, uh, you know, we, of course, want to, you know, encourage them to invest in us 
because they're going to make a good return on their investment. We want to provide our shareholders value that will grow with us as we grow our pipelines. But at the same time, we're not scared to be greedy. You know, I, I, I certainly believe that there's, you know, there's more than enough in terms of return to give an adequate or great return to our investors uh, to help us provide a product that'll, that'll make a, a difference in people's lives at the same time. And hopefully provide that product at a, at a price that they can afford or that insurers are happy to pay. Um, you know, it is a balance and, you know, we're not, we're not a philanthropic organization. We're not the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. We are a business. We are a company and, and we do need to, you know, be cognizant of that. But, um, I think there's, you know, I think there's more than enough to go around, so to speak, to make, uh, to make products that are, going to make a difference in people's lives to be able to make enough money to provide a reasonable amount of return to our shareholders and our investors. And my hope is that we attract investors that, you know, understand what we're doing here. So we're, we're trying to make drugs that ultimately help people that are sick and dying. And if it was, it was one of their family members, you know, they would want them to have access to that, to that drug and that, that, you know, we're doing it for the right reasons. Uh, and of course, we need to be able to reinvest in, in our in our own internal infrastructure and, and pipeline and self, and to be able to do the research that we need to do. Uh, but you know, we don't we don't need to gouge sick and dying patients for the last penny or hike the price of the drug up, you know, thousands of percent because uh, because we can. You know, and it, there's nothing illegal about what's really did. I don't think, but it's just a horrible thing to do, and I don't think it's really much. Dennis Korn, president of Q Biomed. Dennis, thanks for your time today. Thanks. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.